And welcome back to another episode of the Total Sports Live podcast. This is Jovan Alford. You know, you already know who I'm joined by, my guy, Harrison Browns. We're not going to be talking about those Eagles, which we always love to do here on the podcast. We're not going to talk about the Sixers, which we did last week. If you missed that episode, me, Nick, Seth, breaking it all down. Doc Rivers being fired. Where does the team go from there? And Daryl Morey's press conference. If you missed that episode, that's right now on Spotify. So make sure you go get that right now and listen to it. Like, after you listen to this podcast, go listen to that one, right? Just do the quick two-for-one right there. However, we're not going to be talking about those teams. We're going to talk about another team that's in action right now in the city. And no, it's not my Philadelphia Stars. It's those Philadelphia Phillies who have who have started off the regular season a little rough, but they're starting to pick it up lately. Took two out of three against the Cubs, and they were able to salvage uh, the series today as we're recording this podcast on Wednesday. We're able to salvage a three-game set against the uh, uh, Diamondbacks, picking up a walk-off win in uh, in extra innings. And after this, the Phillies will open up a 10-game roadie against three NL East teams, which could mean very good things or it can mean very bad things for this team, depending how it, uh, how it goes for them. However, before we talk about what happened in today's game and look forward to this pivotal road trip that will really decide a lot of things for this team going forward, make sure you're following us on Twitter at Total Sports Live. And checking out uh, totalsportslive.com. Also, make sure you're checking out the podcast on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcast. Make sure you go search, look it up, download, subscribe, tell a friend, share it with a friend. Do whatever you got to do to get us to click and listen. Really appreciate everybody tuning in and listen. As always, if you missed the audio version of this podcast, you can check it out on YouTube, on Harrison's YouTube, YouTube page, Harrison Brown Russo, right there on youtube go hit that subscribe button as well he got the vids up there go hit that subscribe button and also go and i know i'm gonna say this again we got a whole bunch of subscribing <laughs> going on make sure you go subscribe to harrison's newsletter harrison brown russo.substack.com url as i just said at harrison brown russo.substack.com make sure you go subscribe to the newsletter a lot of good a lot of good um newsletters coming out lately mlb um, draft, uh, athletics, uh, arena football. So pretty much, uh, uh just the whole, uh, I'm trying to look for the word for it. I want to say Pandora's box. It's just a whole lot of good, like sports information right there. If you like arena and baseball and NFL draft and all that good stuff, it's right there over, um, over in the newsletter. Yeah, that's about it. I think we plugged everything. Before we jump into the Phillies uh, conversation, but like I said, before we do that, as always, like I said, I'm joined by my guy Harrison, breaking it down, talking baseball, a Harrison edition of the <laughs> of the podcast, talking baseball. Harrison, uh, how are you doing? He wasn't on last week's show to talk about the Sixers, which I understand the Sixers aren't a great topic to talk about, but we're going to talk about something nicer today, and that's those uh, Philadelphia Phillies. Well, first of all, Jovan, you're the man. Appreciate you for all the plugs. You know, you've all you've got my stuff more locked in than I do. I feel like sometimes you got all the <laughs> URLs and the ads. You know, if you ask me to do that, I might slip up on a few. I might mess up. So I appreciate you, man. Like you said, man, you guys already have it in the queue. After this episode, the Sixers episode is going to come up. Tune into that. I was listening to that right before we got on, just running that episode back. I did a great job with that one talking about. Oh, man, another second-round exit for those Sixers. You know, I, I've been locked in on the draft this year, real lasered in on the film, like my guy Jaws would say. So maybe not as many Sixers games for me this year. I let, you know, my guy Seth and Nick, that I really, you know, 
let the air kind of flow on that one. Instead of four people being on there, man, let's let Seth and Nick, two of our NBA guys, two guys who know it in and out. Nick did a great job covering it for WIP this year, man, being down mm-hmm. there at the games, yes, he did. covering all those games, having great content online. I mean, a big salute to him and all the things he's doing. So really enjoyed that episode. Like, like you said, man, let that come up in the queue after this one. But yeah, those Philadelphia Phillies, 23 and 26 right now, a little bit below 500. Coming off the World Series run, there's a lot of expectations, maybe a little bit too high of expectations with what this team really is. We got a lot to break down tonight, looking at really where they're going to go from here. We got a long ways to go, but 23 and 26 might not be the most appealing. And hey, they got the win today. Trey Turner with the two run home run to tie it, boom, with the walk off. But uh, it was five to one at one point in that game, pretty late in the game to the Diamondbacks. It, it could have been a lot gloomier of a podcast today if they, uh, Really lost that series to the Diamondbacks, but they got that win today. Good win. Trey Turner with the home run. Hopefully that turns his season around. So, yeah, let's talk some baseball, man. Yeah, you're you're right. I think I guess the Phillies must have heard that we were doing a podcast <laughs> today and, and they didn't want to come. They don't they didn't want us to talk about a, a three-game sweep right. at the hand of the Diamondbacks, who, like we said before the show, Diamondbacks are a really good team, right? Yeah. Even after today's loss, they're 29 and 21. Very good team. I think a lot of people just don't think about that because of the division they playing with the Dodgers and the Padres. Even the Padres have kind of taken that step back right now. Then it look like the Dod- the Diamondbacks has overtaken them. A minute division, so they're not a bad team. Diamondbacks are a really good team offensively. Pitching's a little eh, outside of uh outside of Zach Gallen, but they've still been able to do get a number done. But like we said, the Phillies are able to somehow overcome that, right? Like you said, they were down early, four five runs scored in the first three innings by the air by the um by the Diamondbacks. Uh, first run was scored in the first inning of the ground of uh. Rivera grounded out the third with Cattell Marte scoring. Then Rivera came up again, doubled the center. He's probably like one of my favorite players to use on like the show with his swing. It's just 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 a very good swing. Uh, doubled the center. Corbin Carroll scored along with uh, Herrera. Then in the third inning, Evan Longoria hit a 422-foot bomb. And somehow Rivera scored on that. So Rivera was all into this game in the first five innings. And it didn't look good for Ranger Suarez. After those first three innings, but got to give credit to Suarez. He battled back. Outside of that, gave up five hits, five room runs, one walk, struck out five. He really battled after them first three innings. And then after that, it was up to the bullpen. The bullpen had to hold it down the rest of the way. We're talking about uh, Hoffman, who struggled with three walks and only a third of an inning and only a third of an inning. Pitched, and then Vasquez came out, did his thing. Brogdon, solid. Junior Marte, Salen, and obviously give the guy the Kimbrough and the extras did their thing. And like when the pitching, when the, when the bullpen comes comes down and try and holds you down, your offense has to get going. And that's what the Phillies offense are able to do. Six inning, they play station to station, play station to station baseball. Just move guys over and get them home. And they were able to do that, getting quick, getting three runs in that in that six inning. And then the ninth inning, Trey Turner, who has struggled immensely this season, coming off an immaculate performance, um, immaculate performance in the World Baseball Classic. He was able to come through with a clutch game tying two run home run in the bottom of the ninth when Ruiz, I don't know what he was thinking. He just thought he was just going to get a curveball, and the curveball didn't curve. It just stayed at the top of the zone. And Trey Turner knows what to do with those, regardless he's in the slump or not. He crushed it, got out of the park, and then in the 10th inning, Phillies walk it off. 
Alec Baum with a single to the right with Dalton Guffrey scoring. Clemens the second, Schwarber the third, Death Howard ends. Phillies win six to five. They salvage one game from that series. They in their sixth game, I think that was the sixth game homestand, if I'm not mistaken. I believe so. Yep, yeah. six game homestand, three and three. It's not it's not horrible, and it's not the end of the world. Just because, again, I think people outside of Philadelphia might hear Diamondbacks and Cubs. They're like, eh, team's not that good. Both of these teams have been surprisingly very good in their respective in their respective division. So three and three to come out, especially after how the beginning of the Diamondbacks series started to come away and get a come behind come from behind win going into what you have a tough stretch coming up huge win uh from the phillies so and before we talk about trey turner harrison uh just what were your thoughts from you know from from today's game because like i said you know first few games of this series didn't go well they played really well against the cubs over the weekend i mean last weekend and then you come back and you lose two you had to get disturbed when it didn't look good but the Phillies do what they do best, right? They don't necessarily quit. They somehow find a way to get that victory and bring it all the way home. Yeah, it's a nice one. They they do do that a lot. They're a scrappy team. They're a team that really steps up when their back's against the wall. And, I mean, you look at it, if you were just looking at this Diamondback series, which game is the least probable to win? Probably the one that Zach Gallen is starting. Yep. Their top pitcher, one of the top pitchers in the NL. That's kind of how the Phillies are. They'll step up against one of those top pitchers, a guy like Scherzer, Gallen. But if it's that fifth starter in the rotation with a, uh, you know, a high four ERA, uh, they might not step up as much. They might have a slow game. So, you know, it's encouraging to see them get this one. Definitely would have been, you know, a, a disappointing series to lose to the Diamondbacks and get swept by them. But, you know, like you said, we talked about a pre-show. They, they really are an improved team this year, the Diamondbacks. There's a lot of teams like that in this year's MLB. Teams like the, the Pirates, the Rangers, uh, the Baltimore Orioles. The Diamondbacks are another one. Really an improved team. Love the development of Corbin Carroll, one of their top prospects. Great to see him up in the big leagues making plays. But for the Phillies, definitely an encouraging win. I, I think with this team, there's still a long way to go. I, I think there's still a lot of holes in this lineup um, and the bullpen in particular. You mentioned some of the guys in the bullpen today that stepped up, but those names overall, I, I don't know if you want to go into a postseason run with with Hoffman and Velasquez and you know even, even guys like Brogdon and Bellotti. They, they stepped up last year, but is it who you really trust to be in your bullpen to go lock down an eighth inning late in September, late in October? Mm-hmm. You know, it's a little bit questionable. Even Craig Krimble, you know what I mean? That's a great name, uh, a guy who's been in the league for years. But, you know, is that one of those guys that you really think is going to lock down, uh, you know, a late game importance, you know, important game in the season? So that's kind of my thoughts. Definitely an encouraging win. You know, this is a tough road step, road trip coming up. It's a really big test for the Phillies. Ten games on the road, playing against the Braves, playing against the Mets. You know, it's kind of a litmus test for them. It's kind of an opportunity to see where they're at on this season. You know, where do you compare to the Braves? Where do you compare to the Mets? How do you kind of stack up against them and what they have at this early point in the season? You know, I think it's an important thing for the Phillies. It's it's, it's a it's a, it's very important. Like like you said, this season has been very up and down for them, and they started off the year what. One and five, <laughs> then it yeah, went at Ranger series. Yeah, Ranger series was yeah. rough, and then they slowly started to get it back together where they were six and ten. Like, all right, starting to put it together. They get back to 500. They're 15, and you know, they're 15 and 14 after that Ash after that Astro series where they played really well. And you're thinking, okay, like, all right, this team's starting to figure it out, starting to turn around. Bryce Harper isn't back at this time yet, but they're about to get them back in that next series, and then 
They go on this slide to start May, and then they start to pick it back up with a five game, um, a five game winning streak, and then it goes to a another. Then it goes to a five game losing streak that carried over into game one of the Cubs series. But then they obviously, like I said, they take the series, but then they go back on two lose here, but they get back in the W and they get back into the win column. And one of those players that helped them get back into the win column, we mentioned it earlier, was Trey Turner who had probably one of the most incredible performances um, in the world baseball class, in the world baseball class in general, but for but for most likely for team USA, probably was one of the best players on the field for him. And at the plate, a lot of people, I think you might agree, probably expected him to carry that momentum over. Cause you're like, Oh man, he's hitting everything. He's hitting grand slams. He's in home runs. Like, who is this power hitter Trey Turner? I mean, I was even seeing people going out going out on a on a on a whim saying this guy gonna hit 40 home runs and still 40 bases. I was like, all right, slow down now. Slow, slow, slow down. I I know the world baseball classic is the best of the best across the field, but come on now. 40 home runs for a guy that hasn't hit 40 home runs in his career. Like, let's slow down here. And he hasn't been able to really replicate that start and he like struggling very early on um with the Phillies but maybe this home run that he hits in the ninth kind of breaks him out of that breaks him out of his funk and starts to get him back to the trade turn that we know who is a career 299 hit- hitter so Harrison are you concerned about just how he started his start with his Phillies career or do you think like I said we'll see the Turner who we've seen over multiple years that's a 299 hitter that can you know still 20 bases hit 20 home runs hit for average and really just call a lot of damage um on the base pads man i was one of those 40 for 40 guys this year i was like you know it's bigger bases he's getting 40 steals easy he's got the power now world baseball classic all the buzz around the world baseball classic this year all the hype that trey turner had you know it's easy to get excited and then you look at the Phillies lineup. They went to the World Series last year. It's this strong lineup. You're adding Trey Turner in it. Everything's going to go right. You know, it is early in the year. It's May, but it hasn't went how, how they would have planned so far. You know, it's a 10-year deal, $300 million deal. The expectations that come with that are already going to be high. Then you're coming off, you know, a historic World Baseball Classic performance. And like I mentioned, the buzz in this year's World Baseball Classic felt bigger than other years. It felt like there was a lot of eyes on every game. It felt like Trey Turner, well, you know what I mean? His big performance is really seen by a lot of people. So the expectation was that's going to carry right over. This lineup is going to be clicking. Um, I think he's been a little over aggressive this year. I think that's something that's pretty well documented. Um, e- even today on the, you know, game tying home run, that's that's first pitch swinging. Obviously, you know, Ruiz hung a curveball, Turner, real pretty, smooth, fluid swing, all one motion. Really love his swing, even back in those World Baseball Classic, you know what I mean? And even his national mm-hmm. days and Dodgers days, like, it's well documented. You mentioned it. 299 hitter, really well polished hitter, well rounded hitter, a guy who can do a lot of different things, can lead off in the lineup, can't hit in different spots in your lineup. Like it's a really appealing pickup. That's why the Phillies went out 10 years, $300 million, um, you know, the hype around the move. So I think today, you know, it, that's a nice way to go out, tie a game at home, an important game. You know, you don't want to get swept by the Diamondbacks, Trey Turner, go out there with a clutch hit, really give you some momentum and confidence. We know, I mean, maybe more than any sport, baseball is a game of confidence. It's a game of momentum. It's a game of, of streaks. You kind of mentioned it yep. with the Phillies in general. They're a streaky team, man. They're, they're going to go mm-hmm. out and win five games and then lose six, you know, and it's kind of what <laughs> helped them last year in the playoffs. Honestly, they, 
they caught fire. They caught one of their streaks. They caught one of those runs where, you know, they went out and beat the Cardinals and then they beat the Braves and they beat the Padres. They were rolling. I mean, they didn't lose many games during that time. They were, I think at one point, like seven and oh, or I mean, they were really rolling in, in the playoffs. So I think that's kind of this Phillies team. That's kind of a blessing and a curse. You're going to get stretches and, and hey, maybe it's next month in June. Maybe Kyle Schwarber's more month of June, you know, the past two years especially that 2021 season. I think he had close to 20 home runs in the month of June. Maybe they mm-hmm. catch one of their streaks in June. Maybe they win 15, 20 games in June. You know, it's not out the picture. And this podcast a month from now, we could be having a totally different conversation. But I think at the same time, don't be surprised if they wind up losing seven, eight games at some point in this season. Like, they're yeah. a very streaky team. I think that's kind of going to be this Philadelphia Phillies team with the way they're constructed. Yeah, no, one hundred percent. And I think, like you said, you hit it. You hit it spot on, right? Like this team is an up and down team, and even some of the players, right? They're just up and down. They go on streaks. And for a guy like Trey Turner, right, you hope that this home run, you know, helps unlock some things for him because you look at his splits at home. He's only hitting two hundred four with two home runs, five RBIs, twenty nine strikeouts. But on the road, he's hitting two ninety two, three forty eight. 434 that's what he's slashing so if you're a phillies fan you're like okay he just hit a home run and now they're about to go on a 10 game road trip maybe this is where it starts to click because if we know bryson stott is hitting well at the top of the lineup if you get trey turner hitting it well at the top of the order with him getting on base you know getting a single and still in the base to get the second or you know getting getting a double to really set up your big bats to just say I don't need you to hit a home run. I just need you to slap the ball in the outfield and I'll and I'll take it the rest of the way. This could really be a good setup for Philly's team who, let's say it, right? This team has been dealt a lot of injuries, you know, throughout the throughout the what? This is game they've won how many games? Tomorrow's so 50. Tomorrow's the 50th. Yeah, game so of the they're year. going they're going 50th game of the year. And for this team has had a lot of injuries. I mean, the rotation, you know, have dealt with a whole bunch of guys being in and out. I mean, to the point where, you know, they were having position players playing pitcher just because games are getting out of hand early. Uh, the, the starting lineups, having guys injured, you know, Derek Hall injured, you know, Harper, you know, him right. coming back and you trying to figure out the batting order. Schwarber was the leadoff guy. Now he's not Hoskins. hitting the leadoff anymore. Yeah. He's no Reese. Back, right. Yeah. No Reese. And you're trying to figure out, all right, what do you do with Alec Bohm? Do you put him at first? What about Sosa? Are, are, are they going to play Sosa a little bit too much where he gets, you know, worn down? So there's a lot of moving pieces and shifting pieces on this team. And maybe this road trip will kind of give them that cohesion. And maybe, like I said, maybe this win kind of lifts them up and say, all right, we were able to come back. We probably shouldn't put ourselves in that position, but we were able to come back. We're going on a road with a winning note. Let's see what, you know, we can kind of do. And, and then, like I said, if Trey Turner is doing his job at the top of the lineup with Bryson Stott just makes this offense just more deadly because you have Cassianos, Harper, Schwarber, Mimuto, boom, literally coming right up after him. That's not a bad five hitters coming up after one or two gets on, gets on, gets on base. The lineup on paper is outstanding. And that's what the hype was in in February and, and, you know, late in the winter and early into spring training that that was kind of the excitement ideally, you know, Trey Turner and Bryson Stott, you kind of mentioned him hitting the ball well. That's supposed to be your middle infield for the next eight, nine years. Like, that's supposed to be your middle infield. You know, that's your second base and shortstop duo. So, a lot to be excited about there. I think that's something they can build on. 
Um, I, I think, like you mentioned, something that, that I really like that you mentioned, try to build some cohesiveness with this road trip. I think one of the things we saw with the Phillies last year when they hit their streak in the playoffs and even late in the season, felt like that team was having a lot of fun playing baseball. Felt like that team really liked each other and was tight. Not that this year's team doesn't. Maybe there's just a little bit more pressure on this year's team. We're early in the year. You know, they're the defending National League champions. There's a lot of expectations. This is a better team on paper than what they had last year with the addition of Trey Turner with them kind of shoring some things up in the rotation, adding Taiwan Walker, um, even the bullpen. They added some pieces, guys like Soto, uh, Craig Krimble. So, you know, there might be a little bit more pressure going out and winning some games on the road against your division rivals, against the team that, you know, in September you're going to be competing with to win either the NL East or even the wild card. You know, that's three really good teams we're talking about right here with the Braves and the Mets. Like, These teams will be around when we're talking about the playoffs. There could be a playoff series against one of these teams. They beat the Braves in the playoffs last year. So you kind of get what I'm getting at here. Like this could be a big weekend for them just in terms of really putting this team together, putting this 2023 group as a whole together, getting some of that cohesiveness. I I think that's a really good point. Yeah, most definitely. Before we talk about the 10 game stretch and what they have coming up uh, going forward, uh, we're going to talk about the top of the order and we mentioned them. We mentioned them, uh, stop, but we also got to talk about Brandon Marsh, the two young kids, the young kids, the daycare. You got to include Alec Bohm, but specifically these two guys who, you know, showed glimpses of flashes last season, had moments in the postseason, and have really catapulted themselves to be playing great baseball uh, this season for the Phillies at different parts of the lineup, right? Stott started the season out with a, with a, with a crazy hitting streak. And Brandon Marsh has just found a way, you know, outside of his early defensive mistakes in the field earlier in the year, he's really just been consistent at the plate this season. And you got to love what you're getting. Like we like we uh, what you're getting from both of these guys. And they played well. And uh, in today's game, uh, Stott three for five with a run scored, only struck out once. Uh, Marsh at the bottom of the order. Uh, two for four with two RBIs. Boom, the same thing, had two RBIs. When your bottom of the order is producing, you're going to be in great shape when your bottom of the order is producing. And both of you guys have produced, right? Stott, 291, five home runs, 19 RBIs. Marsh, 269, four home runs, 18 RBIs. And if you want to kind of project their numbers going forward, uh, Bryson Stott is projected. This is just a projection. Projected to have 17 home runs and 16 and 63 RBIs, which I'm not going to say that's not horrible for a player. What in his second full season? Yes. Yeah. In second the majors season at 25 years old, still developing. Yeah. Not mad at that sense at all. And then for Marsh, you're looking at what at Marsh, they have a projected at 16 at, at, at 26 doubles, 13 triples, which would just be insane, but he can do, <laughs> he can do it. He's already got four. And they're looking at 13 home runs in 60 RBIs, which, again, would not be bad, you know, for a player like Marsh because I'm not looking for him to hit home runs, right? If I'm getting the 13 home runs and I'm getting 20-plus doubles and plus in 10 or more triples, to me, that's like a home run for Brandon Marsh because I know that means he's either getting on base or he's moving guys over while make, while getting to second or getting to third. Man, you mentioned it. Getting that production from the bottom of the order. And, and like you said, I mean, driving those guys in. I, 13 triples and 13 home runs. That 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 caught my ear. I don't know if that uh, – has that ever happened where a guy had I don't know. as many or more That's, triples? That, that would be than, crazy. 
Yeah, I mean, maybe some speedy guys. You know, that sounds like a Ben Revere stat. That's the type of stat that Ben Revere would have had, like 15 triples, two home runs for, uh, for old Ben Revere. But, you know, when you look at Marsh and when you look at Stott, man, and not, not just guys in the back of the order, two 25-year-olds that are under mm-hmm. team control for a long time. And just looking at the Phillies and how they're orchestrated overall and how they're built, there is some expensive contracts that are only going to get more expensive as these years keep going forward. And having two guys that are under team control, you can go to arbitration with them for you know at least two or three more years, both of those guys, um, I think is really big for the team building that the Phillies will have. Having guys who are affordable, if you can keep some of this production, if you can keep that high 200 batting average, I mean, Stott just fell below 300. You mentioned it, 291 right now. He's been above 300 most of the year. And Marsh as well spent a lot of time this year above 300, really plus stats. So getting that production out of young guys at the back of the order, it's encouraging when you look forward to what the rest of this season is going to be. If they can keep that up and then Mm -hmm. Trey Turner gets his back going, if Trey Turner returns to that 300 batting average range, hitting some home runs like he did today in the World Baseball Classic, how about Kyle Schwarber? Let's clean yep. up the batting average a little bit. You know, we yeah, know what Kyle definitely. Schwarber is. <laughs> yeah. We know what he is. He's a guy who's going to hit a lot of home runs and be in the low 200s. But we need it to be in the low 200s. We can't deal with this, you know, 150, 140 no. batting average. No, you know, no, 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 no. We got to have it in the 200s. We got to have some more consistency. You know, that gives you the option to use him as a leadoff sometimes, too, if he's a little more consistent at the plate. If you, you know, you can expect at least one hit out of Schwarber if you need him at that leadoff spot. Not saying they necessarily do right now, but just gives you more flexibility and versatility overall. But, you know, we mentioned um, Stott Marsh, an older guy who's really contributed this year and took a step forward from where he was, is Nick Castellanos. You know, Nick Castellanos came in a big deal last year. Obviously not the same caliber of deal as Trey Turner, but a similar type of situation, man. Came in with a lot of expectations. A guy whose swing in Cincinnati was so smooth, so pretty. I mean, so many home runs. Uh, this is a guy who was so productive with the Reds. So you're expecting some of that to come to Philly. Just didn't happen at first. There was some defensive miscues as well. Like, it really didn't click for Cassianos early outside of that home run um, opening day versus the A's last year in 2022. But really didn't click for Cassianos. This year it has. His bat has been so much more consistent. Has it been the Reds in Cassianos? No, it hasn't. But it's been a much more improved version from what we saw in Philly last year. So, you know, you, you kind of put all that together. You try to keep Marsh and Stott having their productive season at 25 years old, under team control. Uh, you know, that that's really, really big to me, in my opinion. I think it I think it's really, really important for the Phillies. It definitely is. And like you said, you mentioned Cassianos, right? Like you said, had a lot of hype, especially with the year that he had in Cincinnati where he made the all-star team. Him and Jesse Winker, I think, both had rough first years where they were at. Obviously, Winker then got moved to the uh the, to the brew crew but Cassiano's lot was expected of him because it's like yo man look at this guy hitting 31 home 30 plus home runs and sensi you know the swing is it's is it's compact it's balanced he's just gonna be a guy that's just gonna plug in right in and obviously it didn't happen last season we even saw it in the playoffs where he was just swinging at any and everything this yep. season comes in this season the jersey's more well fitted you know what I'm saying it's not it's not it's not it's, it's not droopy, you know. The jersey's well fitted, you know. He's got the chain swagging, you know. The button, the shirts on button up top, you know. He he's starting to feel himself like he's Cincinnati Cassianos. And when he hits the home runs, it looks like like you said, it's, it, we won't probably see Cincinnati Cassianos because I think that probably was like a blip 
mm-hmm. his career. Yeah. But the, when he hits home runs, you're like, that was Cincinnati, Nick Castellanos. And the way that he's playing this season, you're looking at 289, five home runs, 26 RBIs, and the 792 OPS. There's nothing else that you can ask more from a guy like Castellanos who had for who for the large part of the early part of the season, he had to carry that lineup. And remember when the season started, the only the, the top hitters were him and Alec Bohm for right. that first for them first few weeks trying to carry that offense because Trey Turner was struggling, Real Muto was struggling, they were trying to figure out first base, and then there was still no Bryce Harper. Yeah, Castellanos has took on a, a much more important role. Probably what people thought he would take on last year, he's kind of been this year. And you know, to be in that you know, high 280s range, 289 compared to where he was last year. Even if that evens out a little bit and it's in the 260s, 250s, you add a little bit more pop to that. I mean, there's a lot to be excited about. That's another guy they have under contract for a while. They're paying Nick Castellanos well. Um, So to get production out of him, you know, with that contract being what it is, definitely important. It, It pairs well with Marsh. It pairs well with Schwarber. I think Castellanos is a really nice bat. In the middle of that lineup, you've got some more consistent guys like JT Real Muto to kind of help balance out some of what Schwarber and Castellanos bring mm-hmm. you. Because that's what people talked about when they signed both of those guys in the offseason before the 2021 season. Like, that's a lot of pop, but it's a lot of strikeouts. It's a lot of yeah. chasing pitches. It's a little bit of a defensive liability with both those guys. Neither one of those guys are superstars in the outfield. Like, you know, it. It was an experiment by the Phillies, and and when it worked last year, it really worked. You know, the lineup, it had a pop at every single spot, one through nine. But at times, man, there can be days where a starting pitcher is going to go out there and get 10 strikeouts, and the bullpen is going to lock things down, and the Phillies are going to lose two to one because, you know, they they just couldn't get it going. And top to bottom, all those guys with a lot of pop just didn't have it. So Cassianos this year, definitely encouraging. A guy that I'm a big fan of, like I mentioned, his swing, very, very smooth swing. Like, it's fun to watch him connect with baseballs. He has – a very, you know, aesthetically pleasing swing. So um would be great to see him continue on with this. And like I mentioned, even a little bit of a dip in that average, 289 might be high for Castellanos. Even right. a little bit of dip, even that out with some power, um, that's an encouraging year. Very encouraging, very encouraging year. And you hope, like we said, I'm going to reiterate it, you hope, you know, with Turner heating up that he can carry it over into this road trip because it's going to be a very interesting and tough uh, road trip and before we do that and before we wrap up with the pod to talk about that make sure again that you're tuned in that you're subscribing to the, to the podcast on all your platforms that you're subscribed to Harrison's YouTube page at Harrison Brown Russo same thing substack Harrison Brown Russo substack.com so you don't miss any of this content that we're giving that we're, that we're delivering on a weekly uh, basis and you know let's talk about this 10 game road trip Harrison because this is not going to be easy. This is probably going to be one of the tougher stretches that they've had that they have that they have had this season. It's a ten game NLE stretch, which could not going to say it's going to determine the season, but it's going to determine a lot of if you're going to be competing just straight up for the wild card, or if you'll give yourself a chance where you could say, "Hey, we might be able to stay in this division if you're the Phillies." That we might be able to stay and play in this division. Ten game road trip. You're looking. Um, you're looking at four in Atlanta to start, um, four in Atlanta to start with two national televised games Saturday and Sunday on FS1 and ESPN2. They get the Sunday night treatment. Then they have a three game set. They have a day off on that Monday for Memorial Day. And then they have 
two day, they have two game they have a three game set at in New York first time for them against the Mets. I think first time this season against the Mets. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. And 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 in New York should be a good one there. Um three three there with nationally televised game on TBS on that Tuesday. Then they wrap up their their uh their what their East their NL East swing with three at Washington, which is not really a cakewalk <laughs> because the Nationals have shown they're a little frisky too um a little bit this season but the but the um the the series starts thursday night with the one and only aaron nola who hasn't been great this season he's been okay he's pitched well as of late but still trying to trying to get over the rough start to kind of put him in this hole where he's four and three with a four three one era and it's not encouraging that he's also giving up six home runs (laughs) Uh, giving up a home run in six straight starts not very encouraging however and it also isn't encouraging either they have the 462 era on the road but he's holding opponents to a 230 uh to a 230 batting average which is pretty good but that being said the phillies and you probably would agree with this harrison they need a good start from aaron nola on uh on thursday night because this is a tome setter here just because you're looking at the rest of that series you got Taiwan Walker on Thursday going against Jared Schuster, who's coming off a very good out and against the Mariners uh, earlier. I want to say earlier this week or over the weekend. And then yeah, on Saturday, yeah, then Saturday you have Wheeler versus Charlie Morton. And then Sunday, don't know who's going to pitch on Sunday, but you get Spencer Strider on on, on, on Sunday night. So don't know who the Braves are going to be pitching, to, pitching on Thursday. But that being said, need Aaron Nola to come out strong. A quality start. The bats get going. Whoever the Braves start, because this is going to be a very tough four game set where you would like to win three out of four, but a split wouldn't be horrible either. You know, it could be Drew Elder that they start. I don't know how they've thrown the past few days. Drew Elder, uh, a newcomer for them, a fifth round pick in twenty twenty, could be an all star this year. Uh, obviously, Strider, Freed, and Morton are, are the big name guys. Drew Elder has quietly put together a really strong season, really low ERA, won all of his. Um, games hasn't taken any losses yet so uh, that's an encouraging one for the Phillies you look at Aaron Nola talking about him in particular kind of reminds me of the lineup a lot in a, in a funny way Aaron Nola is a guy who's going to strike a lot of guys out throw a lot of great pitches but then mm-hmm. he's going to leave some really bangable pitches right in the yeah. middle of the zone you mentioned it six consecutive games with a home run it obviously isn't a pretty stat it's not the most surprising stat like if you really watch him pitch it's some great pitches. There's great velocity, but there is just a lot of breaking balls that hang, even if they don't all go out, even if guys might miss them, take them. Um, mm-hmm. he, he leaves opportunities for hitters to take advantage of them. I mean, it's something that he's done throughout his career. Um, it, it's kind of some of the reasons why later in starts sometimes he can get caught up, not even through any fault of his own. He might not be fatigued. He might not be having a bad outing. Just one or two pitches really get away from him. A guy or two's on base the start looks a lot different than it played out. So that could be some of the reasons you see that higher four ERA right now for Aaron Nola. Hasn't been the best season. A lot of time left, a lot of time for him to kind of work into the season, build into the season. But yeah, in a way, kind of reminds me of that lineup. It's boom or bust. It's either, you know, great pitch, great outing. Aaron Nola was really on or man, there was a lot of stuff that was hung up in that zone, hung out there for the Braves to go get this week. So you know, it's an important series. You look at it, the Phillies are six and a half back right now. The NL East outside of Washington is really all clogged together. I mean, the Mets are four and a half behind the Braves. The Marlins are five and a half behind the Braves. So the Braves obviously have a nice, you know, decent cushion. But we're talking about four games with the Phillies right now. If they go steal three, 
Um, th this looks a lot different, you know, you know, early next week than it does right now. And then the Mets as well, if they can go out and outperform the Mets first time they're they're playing them this year, this Mets team really has kind of hit their stride recently. Uh, it's been a little bit of a rocky start, but recently real scrappy, even winning games late, winning games with walk-offs, played the Rays really tough, wound up taking two mm -hmm. uh, against the Rays uh, last week, I believe, had a, hit a, hit a walk-off. Pete Alonzo had a walk-off. So um, the Mets, another one, kind of like the Phillies, really solid on paper. You look at the Mets lineup and, and their pitching rotation. Obviously, they lost to Grom. You go out and add Justin Verlander to replace him. Um, uh, another team kind of similar to the Phillies, really solid on paper, just hasn't all clicked yet. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing them match up head to head. I think that's going to be something that we could see later in this year as well. Yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. I, I I completely agree with you, man. I think I think everything you said spot on about this team, especially in this this East Coast trip, is going to be so huge for them. It's going to be a tone setter because if you look at where they're at right now in the division, they are. I want to say. I just had it up. They are currently at a recording. They're six and a half games out of first place, right? So hypothetically, let's just say if the Phillies were to sweep the Braves, right? That ain't happening, but hypothetically. Now you're only two and a half games yep. out of first place. And you've likely leapfrogged the Mets and the Marlins, and now you're in second place. And even if you if mm -hmm. you haven't leapfrogged the Mets, you get a chance to play them right away. I was just going to jump right. in real quick and say right. that. You got them right coming up. So it's exactly. a big trip. Yeah. Exactly. And then even if you take three out of four, then you're probably three. Well, if you take three out of four, let's say if you lose the first game, you'll be seven and a half back. But then you pick up the last three. Then you're only four and a half back. So, again, yep. not a bad spot. The worst spot is you go one and three. Right. And you're now nine and a half yeah. back. And then you got to play the Mets who have already picked up their lead against you. And you're not too far from the Mets if you're the Phillies. That's that's why you have to just hold it down against Atlanta. Like at least go one three and one, two and two at the most, because you're only two games out of the loss column behind the Mets. So there could be an opportunity for you if you play good in that Mets series. And right now we don't know who's obviously going to pitch um, in that series where well, we do have like projected starters and you're looking um, in that series, you're looking at uh, Suarez versus Kodai Singa, who's been really good uh, yeah. for, for the Mets could be a rookie of the year candidate for them. Nola versus Carrasco. You would think that Nola would have the advantage over, over Carrasco. And then Thursday afternoon showdown between Taiwan Walker, the former Met against Max Scherzer. So, Scherzer has been hit around too, along with Verlander. So there could be another chance for a win, but you gotta you gotta do your best job in this four game set, which means Nola has to pitch well. If Nola pitches well and you win, then that's great. That you could possibly afford to lose the matchup against with Walker on the mound because you know you got Wheeler coming back mm -hmm. up. You just gotta do everything you can in your power because you don't know what you're gonna do on Sunday. You know it could be a bullpen game. We just saw that on Tuesday night where they went where they went bullpen and they held it down for the most part, just the offense couldn't get going. So we'll see how the, um, how the rest of it plays out. This East coast trip is going to, I mean, it technically is East coast, but this is an least trip will be a good one to follow. You know, they're going to see a lot of good pitchers. You know, like I said, don't know if we're going to see Thursday, but you're talking about Schuster, Morton, Strider, Sanga, Carrasco, Scherzer, Gray, Mackenzie Gore, 
you're going to see a lot of arms, and this offense is going to be tested. But if they can do the little things, not get down behind early, like how they did to like they did earlier today against the Diamondbacks, they I, I think they'll be okay. I think they'll be okay if they if they go six and four, if they go six and four uh in this in 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 this i think they'll be good which that will require i don't know what they will require but six and four i think you'll at least win if you go six and four you should win at least one out of the three series at least you know i think it's going to require them hitting good pitching which is what this season is going to require for them because those names you just mentioned i mean outside of injury they're not going anywhere you know Mm -hmm. the braves have a good pitching rotation well you know one through five there's not a bad starter really the mets have a good pitching rotations. All those names you mentioned, I mean, even Carrasco, that's a vet who's been around, a proven guy, not easy to hit. Sanga is having a great year, really transitioning well to the MLB. Um, Verlander and Scherzer, two future Hall of Famers, obviously have been hit around a little bit, but you know, there, there's not really a break. You know, Miami has guys, Sandy Alcantara, Sixto Sanchez, like Washington has guys, Mackenzie Gore, Josiah Gray. Like the NL East has good pitching. They're going to have to hit good pitching to win these games. It's something mm-hmm. they've struggled with at times. You know, sometimes they step up, sometimes they don't step up. This series in particular going to be really important. You got to go out and hit good pitching. I think that's that's going to be the key. Yeah, you got to you got to you got to hit good pitching because if you if you're able to hold down and at least stay above 500 on this road tr- in these mm-hmm. 10 games, you're going to return home to face a Tigers team who they've shown some flashes. They've been a little frisky in the central but it's not it's not to say that you can't sweep that series before the dodgers come to town so there's going to be opportunities for them and obviously you would like to finish out this month <laughs> strong because it didn't right. it, it, it started out a little started out a little rough but you hope to finish out finish it out strong so we'll see what happens phillies back in action tomorrow night thursday no on the mound we don't know who's pitching yet uh, for the Braves, four games set in Atlanta, three in New York, three in D.C. Then they return home June fifth to start a to start a six game homestand with the Detroit Tigers coming to town, and that's pretty much gonna wrap up this podcast. Really appreciate again everyone tuning in and checking out this episode again. Make sure you are following us on Twitter at Total Sports Live. Checking out totalsportslive.com. Also, downloading and listen to this on listen to this podcast and all the podcasts that we've done on multiple platforms: Google, Spotify, Apple, iHeart, wherever you get your podcast from. They're all there. Just search Total Sports Live TSL Podcast. Again, really appreciate appreciate everybody that takes the time out of their day just to even listen for five minutes. Really appreciate everybody doing that. Again, if you do miss this podcast on audio, you can check it out on Harrison's YouTube page. Harrison Brown Russo on YouTube. Just go over there, search it on YouTube, hit that subscribe button as well while you're over there. Don't waste time. And then also make sure you subscribe to his Substack as well, HarrisonBrownRusso.substack.com. Anything we should be looking out for on on the newsletter front, Harrison, or or, or or is the shop closed for the week? Shop is never closed. We're we're always open. <laughs> Content is 24-7, 365. If anybody knows that, I think it's you, my friend, with all the great yes. work you do. I, I think I might have learned that from you, if anything. So the shop is never closed. We got Substack. Gotta give some love to my to my YouTube community, man. I feel like I haven't been posting videos enough. I'm I'm a little bit out the loop. I've been writing. Uh, I guess it's something about this time of year. I'm I'm in my, my writer mode, but 
you know, definitely some stuff coming out on the Substack thing. I'm going to put some Philly stuff out to coincide with this podcast, actually, a little bit of written. You know, you want a little bit more. You want to see these stats on paper, put some of that on there and just covering baseball as a whole. And then, you know, we're, we're in the middle of arena football season. You know, arena football is mm-hmm. how me and you really, you know, coincided and really, you know, started working together and started, you know, doing our thing together throughout all these years, the high motion podcast. So got to show some love to our roots, man. The AFL is not back yet. We don't have a team in the area, but plenty of people watching arena football. So now nah, that's what I got going on on my end, man. Appreciate you as always, Jovan. Really fun pod. Great coming on here and talking with you guys. Make sure everybody's checking out all the work you do, all the work our guys, Nick and Seth do, yep. um, all the work, all of our guys do, man. Every, everybody, anybody in this, Sports media landscape, man. Definitely showing love to to all those guys, but definitely appreciate you having me on, Joe. Yeah, no problem. Any and all time. So we back next week. Don't know what we're going to talk about. Maybe the Sixers will make a head coach and hire. Maybe we'll talk about that, or maybe we'll talk about NBA draft. It is almost getting to around the time we're talking about NBA draft. I might have to go hit up my Rolodex and see who I can get on to come join us on the pod. Talk some Wimby and you know some G League elite camp. I might gotta hit up some people. Is he want to come on the pod? So hey, we'll try to figure that all out. For we now. might uh, we might need a WNBA podcast going here, Joe Vaughn. Uh, yes. I think you know with the coverage you've been putting out recently, especially on sporting news and just your history of coverage for the WNBA. I, I think it might be that time to really start to look into that. How we get one of those going? Hey, I'm always I'm always down to talk about the. We got to talk. talk about we'll talk the, off camera. Yeah, I'm always down to talk about all the right. W. So hey, we'll talk about all that again. All, you hear all this, all this good stuff again. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast and you tuned in because you'll just never know what we'll talk about next here on the Total Sports Live Pass podcast. Hence the name Total Sports Live. So, for me and Harrison, everyone have a good one, and we will talk to you all very soon.